There's one that was submitted anonymously. Yep. Ethan says, um, that's not the anonymous one. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I am Thomas here with Daniel for another episode. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, doing well. And and uh, I was we were just talking before uh, we aired here. I see those VBS penny boxes on there. So you are preparing for a busy, busy week. <laughs> yes, yes. And yet, like it typically goes, you start and it's exciting and then you're through it and boom. It, it doesn't seem like very long, um, which I guess that's a good thing, meaning that some, nothing was so uh, traumatic and, and, yeah. and there wasn't such an upheaval that you remember, oh, goodness, this is taking forever. But no, it just seems like it goes quickly. I feel like we're in a good place and, uh, and excited yeah. about it. We're going to have um, uh, uh, Chris and Laura Sanderlin, missionaries to Cameroon, uh, partnering with us for the week. Excellent. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So if you're if you're a pastor listening and you just heard the name of some missionaries there, look them up. You never know. That's right. Now I'll tell you, they are uh, they are actually finished. We we of course we scheduled them some time back, but they are finished with deputation, working on the visa process, oh, planning to wow. head out soon. Yeah, for the field. Um, their, their support is raised, but I'll tell you that one, one missionary told me, and I understand what he's saying. You can never give a, a, a good missionary too much money. You know, I mean, he's going to use it right. You know, so, so if you look up the guy and go, you know what, we could help with that outfit and passage. Um, Hey, go for it. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, they're, they're still raising that and, um, they're gonna, they're gonna use it wisely. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're, you're going into it, uh, well prepared this week. Yeah. Um, hopefully the uh, the conversation today will be a good breath before <laughs> you know the uh, the plunge. So uh, yeah. before we say too much, let me thank our patrons over at Patreon dot com slash reason together. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this podcast or how it works, uh, we have some very faithful and generous and kind hearted folks that go over to patreon.com slash reason together. And they have signed up with an account there. It's free to sign up with an account. And then they chose a particular tier level of support that they would like to give this podcast on an episode by episode basis. You can choose to support with a monthly cap of how much you'd like to support, or you can just, uh, you know, go off the charts and just support with a, <laughs> with a reckless abandon of how much you'd like to give to the Reason Together podcast. It's entirely up to you. But depending on the p- tier level you choose, you get different perks uh, that come along with this. One of those being the after show bonus episode, which is, you guessed it, after the normal show, uh, we and have a, a bonus. recording. It is bonus. Yes. It is uh, behind the paywall to use that fancy internet term. Uh, so you have to become a, an elite patron to get the after show bonus episode. And that is a little more, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of you and us, uh, if I can say it that way. Uh, it's a, it's an elite group, <laughs> hence the term. Uh, but if you'd like to subscribe to do that, that's over at patreon.com slash reason together. Otherwise, you can just continue to enjoy listening for free and uh, you know thank our patrons <laughs> for the support. They keep the lights on around here. They help us pay our internet costs and uh, hosting costs, and they also pay our editors, the people who scrub through this entire conversation and uh, make it sound at least halfway decent. 
I'm going to say something as we uh, dive in that has nothing to do with what, what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Wait, you've got an idea. Wait, Go ahead. I have one more thing I've got to shamelessly yes. promote here, and that is our blog. Um, uh, we have a blog over at reasontogether.fm. Uh, we don't talk about it enough probably, but we do have a right. blog there with a number of articles that you might find helpful. Um, <clears throat> one of the more recent ones published there just the other day is an uncanny prediction tool, the nine D's of a Christian's okay. destruction. Ooh. Um, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, mm-hmm. yep. and several folks have asked me, why don't you put it on the blog? Put it on the blog. So uh, I finally got around to doing that. <clears throat> um, it's a prediction tool, I could say, that if you are a pastor or a savvy church member, if you're familiar with this tool, with this list, you can actually foresee with disturbing accuracy someone's departure from a church in an ugly fashion. And it's important to get ahead of that, to be able to encourage and help and be a blessing and even maybe mitigate the destruction of a brother or sister in Christ. So um, check that out over at reasontogether.fm and click on the tab that says blog. All right, there you go. Um, I was thinking about um, this recently, and this has, again, nothing to do with what we're about to talk about here in a minute. Apropos of nothing. (laughs) Yes. When you listen to preaching, I just have to say that some guys have a leg up for this one reason. Can can you guess what it is? I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but all I could picture in my mind was a preacher standing at the pulpit with his with leg it, up with in his the leg air. Up. <laughs> yes, um, the, the colloquialism. Oh, that funny? That? Okay, no, uh, yeah, I was just the colloquialisms. I realized recently as I'm talking to somebody or writing how many how many of those we use. But anyway, um, uh, okay, so a leg up in preaching, meaning some guys are just they have an advantage at the outset, and do you know what that is? Their accent. I mean, okay. Are, are you the same as, as me? Now, I understand that I, as a Midwesterner, am basically the standard of speech. Okay, that we have Ooh. no accent, um, and and we are sort of the base, right? Like when you go to the Northeast, I had a lady ask me years ago, uh, or well, no, she didn't ask me. I asked her. I said, uh, "So, do you think I have an accent?" She's like, "Oh yeah," and, uh, <laughs> and I was like. Do you think you have an accent? Oh, no. Or something like that. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but anyway. I, yeah. I would be curious to look into the history of accents, but I have a suspicion that the Midwestern accent was not the original American accent. <laughs> but I feel like we're pretty neutral. But that being said, I love accents. So when you yeah. hear a guy that's from Australia or New Zealand or sometimes even the right Southern accent, they're just enjoyable to listen to, period. I mean, I don't know. You could you yeah. can you can listen to them talk about auto mechanics and and they're just they're just fun to listen to. And so yeah. hearing them preach, you're like, this guy, <laughs> this guy's got an advantage because people just like enjoy listening to the sound of his voice. Um Yeah. And anyway, just kind of funny that I way. I like I yeah. like a good British accent. Yeah. Yep. You know, I could. Li- I was listening to a podcast the other day where the hosts were British, yep. and it just sounds like such a relaxing way to speak. Like it sounds really? like there's very little effort uh, in in communicating like that. But really, I to don't me, know. I think. I mean, it would be for me since I don't have that accent. But um. <laughs> there's, and it's interesting because there's a, there's a variety of of even in the British accent. You know, there's uh, uh, probably what they would say similar to 
to English, you know, you yeah. have um, whether it's a northeastern, maybe a western, a southern, a, a midwestern. Um, so even in England and English and, and Great Britain, you have seems like a variety of accents. Yeah. But anyway, I just was thinking that to myself that wow, these guys who, who have a certain accent about them, they uh, they're enjoyable to listen to, and for that reason, they sort of have an advantage. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. The the one yeah. who comes to mind is that uh, one preacher, Alistair Begg, I think mm-hmm. is his name. Yeah, mm-hmm. his his voice is fun to listen to. I don't know, is he Scottish? <laughs> is that what he is? Good question. I do not know. I think he might be. Um, I don't know. Um, I was told the other day I could be from anywhere. Someone at my my job said, "You don't have any accent. You could be from anywhere." You know, and she's of course Tennessee lady. She says, "You sound like you could be from anywhere." But I maybe you don't have this problem because uh, you kind yeah, of I'm still from live from Liberia. Yeah. <laughs> That's just funny. You could be from anywhere. Hey, you might as well make it good if you're going to pick one. So, That's right. Um, but I, you don't have this problem, I guess, because you still live in the region that you grew up in and your parents right. are from. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't live in the region I grew up in. So I tend to talk kind of flat like you hear me now with, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, no accent. Um, mm-hmm. But when I talk with my parents, when I talk with my family, my Jersey accent comes out. Oh, it changes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's normal or not. I don't even know I'm doing it. But when I when I get on the phone here and I'm talking to, let's say I'm talking to my mom, yeah, my accent changes. It's mm-hmm. bizarre. Sure. <laughs> it, it resurfaces. You that's revert. It. All right. We last time um, we, uh, I think it was last episode, I asked the question about eating in a bar versus eating in a casino. We got some feedback on that, and uh, I appreciate uh, this one. Um, Well, I appreciate both of them. Actually, I'm going to read this one first. Um, Let's see here. There's one that was submitted anonymously. Yep. Ethan says... um, That's not the anonymous one. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, First off, I I grew up an hour from Atlantic City, spent a lot of summer weekends there, so don't hold my past against me. He said, second, casino restaurants are amazing and pretty cheap because they really don't want you to leave. So that's kind of the, I guess, the idea behind the cheap meal. Um, because I heard from somebody else, you know, they're, they're known for good food, cheap. Um, well, mm-hmm. the cheap is to, to draw you right to, uh, yeah. you, you get in the place and then, uh, you're tempted to stay whatever. Right. He says, if only gambling happened at casinos, you probably wouldn't have a problem walking through to get to the restaurant. But even if you've never been inside a casino, you know, other things happen in there. Every vice is available and readily visible, smoking, drinking, prostitution, drugs, all out in the open and blatantly advertised. If you went to your favorite restaurant and all of a sudden they say you have to be 21 plus to enter, you wouldn't go. Even the world knows casinos are wicked places preying on addicts. As mentioned, every truck stop in the South has a mini casino and lottery tickets are probably their main sale, but we don't hesitate to get gas or grab a snack there because it's still conscience friendly. Whereas in a casino, there's literally nothing there which should make a Christian feel comfortable. And so he makes the comment, even in my rebel days, I hated the feel of casinos because they're so spiritually dark. And that, I just, wow. Um, yeah. That was kind of enlightening to me. Just, just, just the degree and the 
breadth of things that are available um, in, in a casino and how and how uh, yeah how he sees that as so spiritually yeah. dark even even from a point person who was you know in a place maybe he says I wasn't like super spiritually attuned but I said whoa I don't want right. to be in there. He makes uh, he makes an interesting point about the gas stations because this actually happened to me several days after we recorded the podcast is that I was actually at a gas station and I thought of it. I'm like, wait a minute. I walk by <laughs> this every time I come in here to get gas or get something. Oh wow! You could buy lottery tickets at just about any gas station and you'll oh, often yeah, see right, the people right. in there buying a whole bunch and literally just going outside, scratching right. them off and throwing them in a the trash can. <laughs> Because very few people ever win anything with that. Um, but yeah, it's like it, he makes a good point there because that doesn't seem to offend our conscience to go up to the same counter and buy gas or a candy bar or something. Um, but yet that is just as much gambling. So is it is it desensitization, which sounds inherently negative and like we've somehow messed up and maybe we're like lot who's pitched his tent towards Sodom or is there really just some sort of way in which we as Christians are to move through the world without being just having our conscience crumpled by every Mm -hmm. little thing that's about us. Mm -hmm. You see that there's both a negative and positive way of looking at that. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, Another feedback here, Anonymous says, I had a a few thoughts about listening to your last episode regarding eating somewhere that serves alcohol versus eating in a casino. Perhaps it's obvious, but one reason it feels different may have to do with the purpose behind the establishment. The main purpose of Applebee's is to serve food, yet they have alcohol to entice more people, perhaps because their food is lagging. That That is accurate. (laughs) Get people a little shame on you, with. Applebee's. <laughs> Do better. Get, throw back <laughs> a couple, and you're not really as as uh, as astute in your observation of the food quality. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's dimly lit as well, so you can't see what you're eating. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, uh, Ooh, however, the were raisins in that salad? I didn't know there were raisins in that salad. <laughs> They're not raisins. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. However, the main purpose of a casino is gambling, not the food. And and I'd have to expand on that just to kind of break into the uh, feedback here a little bit. Judging by the other feedback and the extent of things that are available at a a casino, while we always um, equate it to gambling, it really is just more like a sin house. It's meant to suck you dry, right? I mean, it's we'll offer gambling. Um, one person told me another, another person gave feedback said, I, I did walk through one once or twice and it was almost a sensory overload in mm-hmm. the lights and the sounds it's and gaudy. the flashing and all the people. What's that? It's gaudy and it's opulent intentionally. It's extravagant. Yeah. Um, I, I've not been in a huge casino, but when I was a kid, we would go to this uh, place called fantasy Island in uh, long beach Island, New Jersey. Uh, and we would mm-hmm. spend a week there. My, my grandfather would rent a house there and we, it was like a little family reunion that we had. And we would mm-hmm. go to this, uh, amusement park and one big building that they had there that you often had to walk through to get to other places. It was a casino hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it, the noise 
uh, everything is dinging and chinking and all sorts of weird sounds and lights flashing and and gaudy, colorful, bright lights and pictures. It's just it's very uh, it's a lot to take in. Don't don't you think that's actually part of the strategy of maybe um, I might call it disorientation or distraction or the inability to think because it's yeah. so overloaded and uh, like a lot going on and um, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of yeah, scramb- whether mind it's, scrambling. Whether it's deliberate or not, I think there is a sense in which it sure does work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I'll get back to the comment here. It says the main purpose of a casino is gambling, not the food. Likewise, even though you can get food at a bar, the main purpose there is alcohol consumption. In some sense, the internal conflict may fall back to one's testimony and how one might appear to others when visiting an establishment. For example, if someone sees me going into Applebee's, they're likely to think I must be hungry. But if they see me going into a bar or casino, their first thought is not going to be that I'm hungry, but rather that I'm either going to get drunk or gamble. Perhaps, as you mentioned, the internal conflict could also come from the feeling that by purchasing food at a casino or bar, you're promoting the growth of an establishment that focus on, focuses on sinful behaviors. And that's what that would have been one of mine, I guess, was to say, what, what cause are you supporting? And I think this... Um, feedback rightly hones in on um, on something to say what's the what's the purpose, and I think we're going to get into a different discussion today. Um, but that's something to come back to is the purpose of the establishment. So the casino is meant to offer you all sorts of sinful enticements and to suck you dry, you know, financially. Um, you know, the purpose of a bar is to offer you alcohol, right? And I, I would yeah. say probably a bar is to offer you alcohol and camaraderie, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> largely alcohol. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, you kind of have your buddies or you feel like you're accepted. But the purpose of a restaurant, of course, is to feed you uh, at least. Uh, that's, yeah, the larger part. So, so to feel like, well, what am I supporting? Am I supporting the purpose of making food or am I supporting the purpose of sucking people dry through offering them sinful enticements? You know, yeah. well, yeah, that I could see the, the conflict there obviously being natural. And yeah, I guess just the stigma of it is an interesting thought too, because even mm-hmm. amongst the people of the world, I grew up thinking of casinos as being sort of just kind of nasty and grungy because of what they do to a community. Cause like mm-hmm. everywhere you'd go mm-hmm. where there was a casino, the, the surrounding community was just in shambles and in, in poverty because, <laughs> um, I, you know how Dave Ramsey talks about the stupid tax, right? <laughs> mm, mm. Um, about people scratching lottery no, tickets. He calls it a, okay. a tax a on the stupid. Thing. Yeah. Okay. And that's essentially what gambling is, I think. I think that's a fair term that he gives it. And, and stupid mm-hmm. may be kind of a harsh word. You know, you might call it uh, uninformed or uh, maybe uh, uh, foolish. I don't know. But foolish. Tax, um, yeah. yeah. But what's interesting is is the stigma is different depending on where you go. So like uh, mm-hmm. When I was a kid, my grandparents would go to Atlantic City. They lived not far from there at all in Tom's River, and they would occasionally go there with like a, a, a bus of seniors, if I remember right. And and they would they would gamble a little bit. And, um, 
you know, you kind of always envision it as a thing that, you know, the elderly folks would do in their retirement years with the leftover money that they have. But, you know, working class people don't seem to do that very much because they're trying to live their life and all of that. But then I lived in Connecticut where we were in the shadow of a huge casino yeah, called the Mohegan Right, where Sun. you pastored. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there was a time in our church where several of the people in our church actually worked there. They were employed mm-hmm. there. That was their job. Uh, mm-hmm. One was a, um, he got, he got saved out of that. He was a bartender, but he, he, mm-hmm. he never left the job. I uh, struggled with, with leaving the job. Didn't quite have the faith to step out from it uh, as a new Christian. But, um, and then we had another guy who was security guard there. Uh, and several others. But, you know, all that to say, there was a different stigma in that area where working class, younger people just didn't view the casino as a grungy dive where only foolish people go. They viewed it as just a fun thing to do with their friends. You know, the people at the surgical hmm. center I worked at, you know, the, the the women would go out with their lady friends to the casino and, and do all sorts of things there. Um, hmm. and, and they offered like, like shows and stuff that people could go see. <clears throat> yeah. We were always yeah. miffed because they had a Krispy Kreme in there. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, is a Krispy Kreme is good and all, but is there any food in a casino that's just so good and so worth it that I'd be willing to go in there? Probably not. Um, right. I mean, it's just not, no, <laughs> um, it's not but there's a, just, yeah, it's just depending on where you go, the stigma changes. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, obviously it doesn't really change much about what Christians think about the issue, but, um, it was just so ingrained in the culture there in Connecticut that, you know, people just viewed it as a normal way of life. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so, um, thank you for the feedback about uh, that and give you a little bit more to think about. And if you have a thought on it, please feel free to share yours, uh, Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. I want to dive into this um, by one of, I believe, our elite patrons. And uh, and he's referencing here, this is a, a, a shift here in our conversation. They're referencing the uh, LGBTQ propaganda. Now, this being said, uh, we understand that we're a niche podcast and that uh, we don't uh, we don't occupy a large uh, uh, segment of the uh, podcast community. <laughs> but no. we also understand <clears throat> we also understand the um, the vitriol with uh, which this uh, issue is met. And so uh, if we can't get back on the air for a couple of weeks, you'll know why. why. You just never know these days. You just never know. So he uh, references the LGBTQ propaganda. Uh, He said it's been pushed harder and harder over the last few months, even more so since conservatives from the Daily Wire have begun gaining popularity by speaking out against these immoral ideas. Um, Let's see. He said um, he's talking about how, of course, uh, transgender, uh, um, or, or these people from these, it, it's, it's expanded so much, uh, you know, saying LGBTQ and now I think it's two in Canada, I, a plus whatever. So, I mean, they're like, yeah, yeah. Like how do you, okay. Um, anyway, so he's saying some of them need Christ. All of them need Christ, of course. Uh, yeah. These people who push and accept these ideas need Christ. However, most Christians try to stay away from these people, which is understandable. Um, I'm going to cut in here and say it's understandable in the sense of you don't 
uh, sometimes the behavior is so uh, base um, and pornographic that I understand not wanting a child to be around it or see it at a certain point, it, it, it shouldn't be understandable if it's merely avoiding them in personal conversation at the grocery store, you know, mm-hmm. um, we yeah. should be willing to engage, um, at a point, at a certain point, a scenario, he goes on a scenario I have run into though, while thinking about this is what if someone from that community becomes a believer getting down to specifics, a person who says they are transgender comes to you and asks you for advice. They tell you uh, they were born biologically male or female. It appears they look like they are the opposite sex from what they just told you. Obviously, they went through all the surgeries to have a complete transformation. Should that person attempt to revert back to their original biological gender, should they stay the gender they have created for themselves? Now, I wanted to ask this question because this scenario may happen to someone sometime, and it would, uh, and I would like to know, I think he means, uh, how you guys would handle it. If the ultimate goal is to bring them to heaven, we will have many more weird situations and meetings with people until the world ends and should be prepared for anything. (laughs) And I have to... I have to uh, commend you on somewhat of the forward thinking, meaning understanding that we're going to run into some some uh, sure. dicey scenarios that'll be really interesting, and 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 uh, it's good to think about them in advance. What are your thoughts, Tom? Oh boy. Well, um, <laughs> so I, I do think that we have to be strategic in evangelism, and mm-hmm. this may make some some fundamentalist style folks mad when I say this, because in, in their mind, you just, it doesn't, you just, just tell everybody the gospel, tell everybody, don't be strategic. Just tell everybody, tell everybody. I'm not saying that we have to avoid certain people, but as the spirit leads, we do have to engage some and wait on others. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? In other words, you have timing. to pick the battle. Yes. Yeah. Timing. Yeah. You have to pick your battles and be strategic to maximize the longevity of your effective ministry. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't really do anybody any good if I go blasting the gospel to every transgender person I find and even go out hunting them on the streets to give them the gospel. And then I end up getting canceled or something like that or mobbed by Antifa. Uh, you know, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't help anybody if I basically, you know, hang myself like that. Um, I have to be strategic. I have to be courteous. I have to be diplomatic. I have to be a planner. I have to really in advance prepare what I would even say to somebody. I think it's important if you want to give the gospel to transgender folks that you already have in your mind a plan of what you would say about different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. don't, don't just wing it. Um, especially in our society today where there are cameras everywhere and people are devious with them and they're trying to secretly record folks to publish on the internet and they'll selectively edit the things that you say and all of those sorts of things. Uh, If if a transgender person approached me for the gospel, uh, to to hear the gospel, I'd kind of wonder, well, why all of a sudden are you wanting to hear it from me? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not... This is not a conspiracy theory. I'm You'd not exaggerating. Yep. I'd be a little skeptical because of how our culture is today with the whole secretly record and selectively edit later. Uh, that that sort of thing happens a lot. But that being said, if I was legitimately uh, giving the gospel to a transgender person, you obviously would just treat it like giving the gospel to anyone else. 
there's there's really no necessity in giving the gospel to them to specifically target uh, any one sin uh, over the other. The fact of the matter is sin needs to be addressed broadly uh, as the thing to be repented of. Um, I would also be leery of a transgender person who professes faith in Christ who really has or expresses no intention of detransitioning. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that someone, and this is maybe a, a bold statement, I don't think someone could could become born again and continue to be comfortable transitioned, if I could say it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we believe that you are what God made you. Um, that's, that's just how it works, which brings me to one of the statements in the question here from the listener. He asks, um, uh, so getting down to specifics, a person says that they are transgender comes to you and asks for advice. They tell you they were born biologically male or female. Um, it appears they look like they are the opposite sex from what they just told you. Obviously, they went through all the surgeries to have a complete transformation. Should that person attempt to revert back to their original biological gender, should they stay the gender they have created for themselves now? <clears throat> so to get into the nomenclature of this, don't buy into the terminology that this this world tries to place on this issue. First of all, sex and gender are the same thing. Having two words for the same thing, all it does is confuse the issue. Um, <clears throat> someone's sex is either male or female. And regardless of whatever kind of surgery that they have had, that doesn't change what God made them. It doesn't change what they are. Um, full stop. Mm-hmm. And to use the term biological sex or biological gender is also a term that they have invented that confuses the issue. Right. They're, they're redefining the term and then making you qualify the term yeah. uh, a specific there, there, way. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. only, there's only, you know, someone's sex is their sex, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's not biological sex and then perceived sex or gender. It's just, but that's, that's, that's exactly what, you are. what they'll say is their right. identified perceived uh, gender. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, so I don't think we should use the term biological gender or biological sex. And, and I'm, I think we should either pick to use the term sex or, or the term gender, but using both kind of confuses the issue as well. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, and I would take, uh, uh, I understand what you're saying, and 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 I, I agree. So my thought is that you know when you're talking about the gospel to someone, you know you're you're coming, uh, you're dealing, and I think I would make a point of this at some point to say when we talk about the gospel, we're talking about objective truth yes. about the God who exists and uh, and His design for being reconciled to Him, and in this process, <clears throat> it's not about. Um, some sort of a spiritual experience or a feeling as much as it is about recognizing and, and landing and, and accepting and grabbing a hold of the truth. And, right. and so as we're doing that, like you said, we're not necessarily going to nail a particular sin um, any more than we would say um, a, a, a gambler. 
a gambler, for instance, comes to you for the gospel. Sure. There you go. Good, good. Now we might use that sin as an illustration. I think as we would with, with anyone who is aware that they have for (laughs) the term we use a besetting sin, we could say, you know, we're, it's no, it's no surprise to us that we're sinners because we do sin, right, right? right? And if you're talking to a kid, you'd be like, because you hit Sally, right? Well, with an adult, it's you're aware that you violated God's design, that you've sure. broken his law because, you know. Yeah, and, and and that, but there is something that does make the whole um, LGBT whatever issue unique compared to the sin of like gambling or, uh, you know, drunkenness or what have you is that this particular sin category is it is an attack on reality it, it yes. is to use yes. the bible term against nature um and and this is often coming from people who cite natural law right <laughs> that there are laws of nature that are immutable okay well one of those laws of nature is that god made man male and female that is how he created them and when someone is is born male, that cannot be changed. When they're born female, that cannot be changed. And to to argue against that is to, as the Bible says, to use the term against nature. They're doing things against nature. <clears throat> um, so that is what makes it unique compared to other types of, of sin. Not saying necessarily worse sin is sin though though i think you can argue that there are some gradations of sin yes. um, but mm-hmm. my, my point is that it is unique in the sense that it is anarchic by its very uh nature you know yes, and, and yes. all, all sin is rebellion okay all sin is rebellion yep but it seems like some sins are just anarchic by their very nature to mm. deny reality. Mm. You know, and if you can change the fundamental reality that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and and ne'er the twain shall be changed. <laughs> um, um, if you can argue against that, you can argue against anything else that God has created in reality. And so that's why mm. I think it is dangerous because it effectively tries to destroy reality itself. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it would be an, it would be an interesting conversation because talking about the gospel is talking about the reality of God and the reality, you know, the, and the truth of scripture that it is absolutely right. And, um, and so while I don't necessarily think that the, that the con the gospel conversation and the detransition conversation have to be one in the same. Right. Um, that they are still going if 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 um they are truly being drawn to Christ there should be some evident you know there, there there will be a working of the holy spirit to bring about a repentance a change of mind and i would imagine that would be somewhat evident um oh yeah yeah okay I think so. and so um yeah, it's hard to know maybe exactly what all that would look like but anyway so first understanding the gospel the truth of the gospel and then, uh, but but then, if they ask the question, so if you're asking if, if a person professes to have you know accepted Christ, then divulges to you that uh, that they are indeed the op- they they are indeed the gender which they are not perceived to be. In other words, they they look different than what they actually are. Should they detransition? I'm just going to say it right up front. 
so that it doesn't sound like we have no uh, no understanding of the uh, of the seriousness of the ramifications of all this. Um, I understand that this is a um, the truth is obvious. You know, the yeah. truth is simple, but the whole yeah. process would have to be a very difficult one because right. when, when you're talking about there's been hormone replacement, um, you don't just say, Hey, you know what? Quit the meds, you know, just stop because I don't, I don't know what that does to somebody physically. Right. Ultimately speaking, you have to say, but the truth is that God made you, you, and you have now, uh, you, you know, you have now distorted that and, and, you know, and, and, and changed it, but you are still you and you have to be you. If you're not a woman, stop being a woman, you know, stop acting like one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not stop being one. Stop, stop acting like one. Um, it would be the same thing, you know, and this was, it seemed like such a big deal 10 years ago. Uh, and now with the transgender issue, it seems to pale in comparison, but when you're talking about a homosexual, um, you know, you know, not that that's simple in maybe in their in their heart and in their in their upbringing and all the all the reasons that go into why they they feel like they're a homosexual. The truth is, you know, that's deviant. Yeah. It's wrong. It's just the uh, it is the it is a, a base appetite, and they just have to repent and recognize that and change. But I don't. I'm not saying that that's simple. Um, no. Or no. that you should do it immediately in a way that's unhealthy to the person. You understand what I'm saying by that? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Um, and to, to, to maybe branch off on one point of what you were bringing out there for someone to be a man, but act like a woman, uh, there's, there's so much that is contrary to reality and so much that is contradictory in that side of the argument that if the, you can't simultaneously argue that there's no difference between men and women, and then when a man wants to become a woman, he acts a different way. Right, right. Going what back is he to acting whole, like? Right. Well, he's right. acting like a woman. He's right. being different than a man. So you, you, you see there's inherent contradictions in the whole thing to begin with. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so so the, 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 you know, the, the discipleship process and as they learn and grow, um, I, don't, I don't even know that it'd have to be a question. Um, you know, entirely like, should I, should I, uh, should I be who I, who I, you know, physiologically was created to be? Well, sure. Of course you should be. Um, sure. You know, uh, yeah. I'm just saying the I process was, uh, of that, um, you would have to be taken into consideration, but, but that doesn't, that doesn't mitigate the answer. The answer right. is absolutely whatever you are, you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. I was just thinking recently this week about uh, fruits meet for repentance or fruits worthy of repentance or mm-hmm. appropriate to repentance, mm-hmm. a term that John the Baptist used. Uh, I think Jesus might have used it once as well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, I was talking with someone here about um, my in laws when they left the Amish mm-hmm. and how the inheritance he would have received staying in the Amish would have, my father-in-law, the, the inheritance would have been substantial. Um, there was a mm. farm in play here as part of the inheritance. He would have become mm. the owner of that. It would have passed to him mm. and so on, which by modern standards, I think would have, I'm just guessing would have been in the millions. Wow. Um, yeah. So substantial inheritance. And here you have 
in the modern era, and, and they left in the 80s. They left the Amish in the 80s. I consider that the modern era. Here in the modern era, someone changes their mind about what they believe and becomes born again and then chooses to feel the hurt, the sting of losing something very valuable, hmm. to have something intangible that you could say is a greater inheritance. <laughs> um, that's the name of my mother-in-law's book. But yes. all of that to say, that's that that kind of repentance is lost on a lot of modern day America, where repentance doesn't cost us anything mm. because we live in a free country where there's no persecution. Uh, you can you can profess to be saved and not really lose anything. I think mm -hmm. when it comes mm -hmm. to the issue of transgenderism, if we're talking about a fruit meat for repentance, I think if someone who is transgender does get born again legitimately, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be some evidence in their repentance that is big. Because mm -hmm. the nature, mm -hmm. the nature of the sin is unique, being contrary yes. to reality. Yes. I think you're you're going to see the repentance come out in the form of, I can't be transgender anymore now mm -hmm. that I'm a born again person. I think you're going to see fruit meet for repentance, and if you don't see that desire to detransition, as they say, to use the, the word, I, I would question the legitimacy of that profession of faith. Sure. If there's no desire. Cast a suspicion on that. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Not that, not that it needs to happen immediately, but if there's not even a desire to even talk about that or consider that, that to me is, is questionable territory. And I have to say, uh, is it, it is just a little bit interesting often, uh, to think about the, if I could put it this way, the gospel story, um, you know, how many times have we started the gospel in our, in our representation to people at the beginning. And that, uh, that starts you know, largely with God creating a perfect environment and in it, he put a man and a woman um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the man sinned and, and, and by one man sin entered into the world and death passed upon all men and we have a sin nature, you know, and, and on it goes. But it's just interesting that that issue is even, at the, is, is even in the foundation of the gospel that there was uh, the unquestioned division between a man and a woman. Um, and so even in delivering the gospel, they're sort of going to be confronted with God's design of a man and a woman. Um, just interesting, um, given that particular uh, sin. Yeah, there's so much more that could be said on this issue. And it's just, uh, it's, it's literally, if you look at the news, every, almost every article that I see is, has something to do with this issue. Hmm. And... It just seems that that uh, it's pervasive. It just has taken over the mainstream, and I don't know that I have any answers um, mm. on how we as Christians are supposed to move forward in this country, other than to just keep doing what we've been doing, um, but to at the same time be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Um, I just mm. don't know that much more can be said than that. And if, if I could say one more thing, <laughs> if I could highlight one thing is that when you're interacting, I, I, I do feel like in uh, certain scenarios, there are, there's a dichotomy to some degree. And I know there's overlap and there's kind of an evolution in, in the process, but 
there's a dichotomy between evil people who promulgate a certain issue and confused and hurt and, and yes, rebellious people who are caught up yeah. in it. And hundred percent. So, so there are, there are evil, wicked people who, you know, are driving this thing, making a lot of money off it, mutilating people's bodies. Yes. But you know, when I'm talking to the person on the street, I truly would be interested to say, what brought you to this decision? You know, what kind of life circumstances and, and maybe begin to find where there was a, a broken family relationship. Maybe there was sexual abuse. Where, where did the confusion come from and realize that there are answers in scripture as to your yeah. identity and to your value and to why those sure. things were wrong and shouldn't have happened. And you know what I mean? And to, to really yeah, show the not... person, I care about you and your problem. Now, I, I'm still going to say what 100%. you're doing is wrong, but yeah, it just- Yeah, you're not suggesting there. that someone becomes a victim of their sin. No. You know, sin is still a choice. Yes. Um, but yeah, there are different reasons why people pursue it, especially when we see the agenda of the public school system to basically trans the kids. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll, like, interestingly- um, I, and I forget where I heard these statistics. So I'm just, I'm going to be one of those guys that's going to quote a statistic, but not know where it is. Um, but the, <laughs> that, that the, the prevalence of transgender children is higher in blue States than it is in red States. And there are entire mm-hmm. schools where a, a trans teacher all of a sudden has an influx of nearly all of their class identifying as transgender well, well yeah, how does right, that right. happen That's... all of a sudden? Uh, well, it's it's largely because it is, to use uh, a word that I've heard others use, is a social contagion. Social contagion, yeah. Yes. The idea that it spreads socially, there's, there's a social pressure on kids to accept it. Um, and a lot of the things that are pushing this is not just the school systems with teachers like that. It's also social media. Um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, especially is another one. Uh, social media has, has just rammed this down on people, uh, kids, especially. And, and you see all these numbers spiking of people identifying as transgender in the recent decade or two, probably the last 10 years, mostly, you know, the argument is, oh, they've just been suppressed and in hiding all this time. I don't buy that. Um, no, right. They're just so I don't buy that at all. And whatever. Yeah, it's impressionable people just following along. So you are right. Not everyone that does this is is looking to uh, positively move in, into an anti god direction. Some of them maybe are, um, but mm-hmm. some of them are in a sense just impressionable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I guess my mind turned on something else, but I can't talk about it right now. We are at the end of our time. Uh, yes. And so thank you. Um, thank you for that feedback, Jason, um, and for getting, or Levi, excuse me, uh, yeah. and getting us um, uh, going on that conversation um, and thinking about yeah. the the uh, unique conversations that may be coming our way as we are actively uh, attentive to uh, winning the lost in this very corrupt and spiraling downward culture. Um, if you'd like to share your thoughts with us, any questions you might have not related to this, any comments on this, uh, please send it to Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. Just start off that, uh, that email, send it, and then it'll be in your contacts, hopefully, for the next time you want to share something. It's Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.